Well, happy Father's Day to everybody. And by the way, if you're here and you have someone sitting next to you that might be a dad or grandfather or uncle, if you're a wife of that person or mom, like go ahead and sign them up, okay? So you can pull out your phone if you want and sign them up if you'd like uh, so that they can be entered to win at the end of the day as well. And just kind of a random thing to remind you guys about, like we... Maybe you know, sometimes we say welcome if you're watching online or whatever. You can always subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can follow us on social. If you don't get our weekly emails, um, send a, go to the follow-along today and send an email to us and say, hey, I would like to receive the weekly emails. Those are all good ways for you to kind of keep up with what's going on and stuff like that, these events. So when we say stuff about events coming up and all that kind of stuff, we will send those out through the email as well. So you'll get more updates that way. So if you don't get those things, you don't follow us on Facebook or Instagram, please do so, and we would love to connect with you there. Uh, my name is Corey. If we haven't met, I'm the lead pastor at GFC, and I'm excited to continue our walk through our summer series today called Soundtracks. Just to give you a very brief uh, reminder of what we're talking about and how we got here, we get to a point in Luke, in Luke chapter 6, that we've been walking through Luke so far this year, and Jesus talks about how what we store, what we treasure in our hearts and in our minds will impact how we live. And when you think about that, the way that might be easier to kind of understand that and put that into play is if you think about the soundtrack that plays or the thoughts that play over and over again in your mind. And we all subconsciously have things that we believe to be true that are either things that we've decided are true or we've come to understand, or they're sometimes things that our parents handed to us or our siblings handed to us or our friends handed to us. And so when we think about that, those thoughts that kind of roll around in our hearts and minds on a regular basis impact the way we see the world or the way we, the, the way we make choices or the habits that we create. And so when we think about that, and Jesus talks about treasuring what words are in our hearts and minds and then talking about, he goes on to say that will produce either good or bad fruit from our lives, we have to think about the things that are kind of rolling around in our hearts and minds and what do we believe to be true and how has that impacted what we do and how we, Im- how we make decisions, how we interact with other people. And we know this, that the soundtrack plays a huge role in how we understand the story. So movies, TV shows, all of that kind of stuff. When you're watching a scene play out, you feel a certain way based on the music that's behind it. And so when we look at life, when we watch life kind of unfold before us, we will interpret it in a way based on what our past experiences are, based on what we believe to be true and how we understand the world and what truth we believe about God. And so when we talked about that, then we draw a line because Jesus talks about fruit. We draw a line to Galatians 5 where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And in verses 22 and 23, this is what it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. And so we've highlighted kindness. That's what we're going to talk about today. If you've missed any of the previous weeks, like I said, you can go back to YouTube, watch them. You can go wherever you get your podcasts and listen to them so you can catch up on those as well. And so the way we've kind of couched this is every week we've said there's a lie and there's a truth we want to talk about. Because if we are talking about what truth we believe and how that impacts the way we live, if we're not doing these things or these fruits of the Spirit are not part of our lives, then there's probably a lie we're believing that would block that. There's probably something that's gotten in that we would say to ourselves or challenges how we think about that. And we say, I'm going to believe that rather than allowing the Holy Spirit to work through me and help me do these things that are supposed to be fruits of the Spirit. And so here's the lie that I think we can, we can find ourselves thinking about kindness. Kindness is optional based on my circumstances. Kindness is optional based on my circumstances. 
So depending on how my day has gone is going to influence how your day is going to go if you interact with me, right? If I'm really hungry today and you're being frustrating to me, I might be a little shorter with you. Or if I've had a rough day and you're on the other side of the counter for me, I might be a little shorter with you. Or however we kind of interpret, like the beginning part of our day is going to influence how the second part of our day goes. Or we've all heard the phrase, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? If you wake up and you haven't slept well or whatever, that's going to influence the way the rest of your day goes. And so sometimes that comes out in kindness. We believe or we think that it's optional for whether I'm kind to you or not based on how my circumstances have gone. Um, I want to just give a little like illustration of this, and I want a little bit of participation, okay? So you're just going to have to raise your hand. I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is we're going to put a phrase up on the screen, and some of you are going to know what that phrase means, and I think some of you are not going to know what that phrase means. And I think it's going to be the older group of us in the room, meaning me too, that understand this, and maybe some of the younger people in the room may not know, Okay. So we're going to put the phrase up there, and then I'm going to see who understands it and who doesn't, okay? So here's the phrase, be kind, rewind. Now, how many of you understand and can explain what that means? Okay, how many of you have no idea what that means? Anybody? A couple. Okay, all of you are like, I don't know what that means. Okay, four of you, let me explain to you what this means, okay? There was this magical place in the 90s when I grew up. That was called the movie store, okay? And we used to go, and you would do this, right? This is all nostalgic for those of of us who grew up. You would go to the store, and you would rent movies, okay? And when you would go rent a movie, because there was no streaming services, you got to go, and in certain ones, this is just the one I remember. They weren't all like this, but the one I remember the best was there were shelves and shelves of them, right? And especially if it was a new release, there'd be like 20 or 30 boxes of the same movie. And you would go up, and there was Velcro on the shelf, And you would take like a poker chip off of that, take it to the counter and say, this is the movie I want. Because they would keep the movies back behind the thing. And then you would get a a box that the movie came in that wasn't the box that it came in if you bought it from the store, but it was from the movie store. So you would know, oh, this is not my movie. This has to go back to the movie store, right? And so we would go, and I don't know why. It was Tuesdays were the new release days. I don't know why that is. But we would usually go on Friday, right? So you'd rent something for the weekend. And this was back before DVD, so you had to, it was a VHS tape. Look that up later, okay? It was a VHS tape, and you had to have a VCR. Look that up later. And you had to put that in, and then here's where this phrase would come in. You would put that in, and you would hope. I mean, you could kind of look at the box and see whether it was rewound or not by how much tape was on either side. I know, this is another language. So, like, you had to figure that out, and then you put it in. And if the person before you didn't rewind it, in order to watch the movie, you had to rewind the tape before you could watch the movie, okay? It was a weird time. So we had to rewind it, right? And so this would be kind of like on the box, so that you would remember when you were done watching the movie, you would rewind it so that the person that got the movie next wouldn't have to rewind it because the people at the movie store didn't have a bunch of VCRs, I guess, behind the counter that they could just rewind all the movies. So this was the choice you had to make after you rented the movie, after you watched the movie and you had to take it back. You had to decide, am I going to take the five minutes to allow this to rewind so the person that's next doesn't have to rewind it, right? You're never going to meet this person. It's just, am I going to decide to be nice to the next person who's going to get it? Or am I going to say, no, I don't have five minutes. I'm just going to throw this back in the box and they can worry about it, right? This is the choice we had to make. And this is kind of the crux of the conversation we're having. We, we would ask ourselves that question, those of us who experience that. Am I going to take that five minutes? 
Am I going to remember it? If you were really on top of it, you would watch the movie and immediately hit rewind, right? You wouldn't wait. And so we would decide whether or not we were going to rewind it to be kind to the next person, or we would decide we don't have the time, or our circumstances aren't allowing, or we don't really feel like taking that five minutes and we wouldn't rewind it. And so there's this moment in in all of our day, probably today, every day, right? We get the opportunity to decide, am I going to be kind to whoever I'm interacting with, whether it's a family member, a customer, a classmate, whatever, coworker, am I going to decide to be kind or not? And what does that look like? And so to have that conversation today, we're going to start in 1 Kings 17, okay? 1 Kings 17. We're going to have the verses on the screen for you as always, but if you want to follow along, you can always scan the QR code on the back of the Next Steps card or just go to our website. You can get all the notes and all the verses there and follow along. It's the best way to follow along with us this morning. So 1 Kings 17, we're going to start in verse, verses 8 and 9. It says, So then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a woman there to feed you. Now we're diving into the middle of the story, so let me give you the background. Okay? Elijah is a prophet. And Elijah has just recently given a prophecy to the king of Israel that was not a good one. He said, there's going to be a famine, a drought in the land, and it will not rain again until I say it's going to rain. Now, king of Israel, not a good guy. This is why the, the famine is coming. And so God knows when, when Elijah says this to the king, the king is not going to be happy and will probably try and do something to manipulate the situation so that Elijah will actually give in a little sooner and say, yes, it's going to rain so that the king's problems are over. So God actually takes Elijah away and hides him away and says, go live by this spring so you can drink the water from the spring. And God actually sends ravens every day with bread and meat for Elijah. But after a while, because there is no rain, the spring dries up. So he's got no more water because it hasn't rained for a while. So then this is where God jumps in and he says to Elijah, go live in this city and there will be a widow there who will take care of you. Okay, so this is the transition that's happening after Elijah has kind of lived on his own for a little while. So in 1 Kings 17 verses 10 through 11, this is what it says. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. Then he asked her, would you please bring me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bit of bread too. Verse 12, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal. Then my son and I will die. Let's pause for a minute, right? Let's just think about this. What does it take for someone to say this? You're, you're at the end of your rope, right? Now, let's just kind of understand the situation, too, and I'm, I'm figuring some things out from some of the context we'll see a little bit later. There's a drought, first of all. So everyone's in bad, bad situation. No one's in a good place right now. We, do, we get this a little bit because, like, when it didn't rain for a couple of weeks, it got really dry around here, and it was kind of harsh, and some of the farmers probably had a little bit of difficulty, but we live in a, in a world where we can ship things in from other places where it's raining regularly, right? They didn't have this. So when there's a drought, when there's a famine, this affects everybody equally. This is a bad time. So not only is she going through that hardship, we know that she's a widow. So she's in a space and a time where women being on their own doesn't work out very well if they don't have someone to provide for them. 
So she's struggling through that. Now, she, she talks about her son. I'm going to assume her son is pretty young for a couple of reasons, one that we'll see a little bit later. But he's not the one out gathering sticks. So when I think about that, if I told my son Owen, who's nine, go gather some sticks so we can make a fire, he could very easily do that. But she's the one out doing this. So I think the child had to be pretty small. So she's going through a famine. She's a widow. If her child is very young, the, the death of her husband happened not very long ago. And now she's out just looking for the last little bit so that she can have this last meal with him. And then her plan is like, this is it. We're just done. We have nothing left. No other options. No one to take care of us. This was the end of her rope. She was done. And this is the worst possible place she could be in. And Elijah shows up and he starts asking questions. And so when he asks for water, he asks for bread. She says, listen, this is all I got. And, and I don't really have much to give to you in this way. And so verse 13 It says, but Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you've said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what is left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Verse 14, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Verses 15 and 16, so... She did just as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. So she says yes, and she welcomes Elijah in, and she makes that meal, and God continues to provide, so she can make meal after meal after meal. But it's interesting to me the way that Elijah frames this up, right? He said, go and make me my meal first, and then you guys will have yours too. Now, she's being really nice, right? But even in that moment, like Elijah showing up and going, make mine first, and then you guys will eat, would kind of make me go, no, 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 buddy. Like, I'll make mine, and then God will give you yours. How about that one, right? Like, let's do it that way instead. But she still says yes, and she still welcomes him in. And it would have been really, really easy for her to just go, listen, man, I... I'm, this is it, I'm done, I'm just going to go, right? I don't need this. But she believes God, God's promise, and she leans in, and Elijah, the, the miracle comes true through God and through Elijah. And so as I thought about this, as I kind of thought about this idea of kindness and what it takes and how we can kind of live it out and what that looks like, I thought there were multiple times in my brain I went, is kindness free? And I kind of asked myself that question over and over again, and, and, and this is what I came to. I actually think this. Kindness isn't always free, but it's always possible. Like, she, it costs her something in order to say yes to this. She had to put herself and her son in that last meal she was planning on making at risk in order to give Elijah what he was asking for. And she had to take the time to make the meal for him. It wasn't free. What was free would have been, I'm just going to keep walking and forget this and just die like I planned today. Or she could give in and say this. So, so when we talk about kindness, when we talk about this idea, it's not always free, but it is always possible. We always have the ability to decide whether or not we're going to be kind. It's just whether or not we decide it's worth it. Whether or not we decide the other person is worth it or not. We go on in the story in verses uh, 17 and 18. It says, sometime later, the woman's son became sick, and he grew worse and worse, and finally he died. And she said to Elijah, O man of God, what have you done to me? 
Have you come here to point out my sins and kill my son? So the son dies, and she looks at Elijah and says, all of these miracles, and then my kid dies. Why? Why? Right? I took you in, I did what you asked, and even God provided, but now my son is gone. And so verse 19 says, but Elijah replied, give me your son, and he took the child's body from her arms. This is why I think it was a small child, just this idea of this picture, probably a small child. Takes the body from her arms, carried him up the stairs to the room where he was staying, and laid the body on his bed. Verse 20, then Elijah cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, why have you brought tragedy to this widow who has opened her home to me, causing her son to die? Verses 21 and 22, and he stretched himself out over the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, please let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's prayer, and the life of the child returned, and he revived. Verses 23 to 24, then Elijah brought him down from the upper room and gave him to his mother. Look, he said, your son is alive. And the woman told Elijah, now I know for sure that you are a man of God and that the Lord truly speaks through you. And so Elijah, in response to what the woman had done for him, when he sees that the, babe, the child has died, he goes and pleads with God for her and for the child so that he might be brought back to life. And it happens. And so God does another miracle in this instance where Elijah just calls out to God and, and he decides to respond. And so I think we've, we learned something about kindness from Elijah's response, right? We learned that kindness always creates more kindness. We, here's the way I think about this sometimes, right? We, when we get to our circumstances and we decide we're not going to be kind to someone, we're just per- perpetuating the dominoes that have already fallen in our day. Right? Bad domino, bad domino, bad domino. I get to the next person, I'm just going to hit them with a bad domino instead of trying to reverse the cycle. But instead, we could decide, I'm going to go the other way, and I'm going to have the good dominoes start to fall and kind of change this. And we see this sometimes in the news. Like, you get those stories of people that get to the drive through window, and they pay for the person behind them, and then that person pays, and then that person pays. I actually saw a really funny video. I do not know where it came from. I just saw it at some point in the last couple of weeks. And the video was, there was a guy that needed to buy a bunch of food at the drive through window, okay? So he has this idea where he's going to order like just a coffee or something like that. And he pulls forward and gets to the to payment window. And he says, I'm going to pay for the guy that's behind me. So they're like, oh, it's so nice. It's so nice you're going to do that. He's like, ah, I'm just trying to be kind, you know, whatever. And he realizes that there's nobody behind the guy that's behind him. So he quick pays, drives around and orders like $600 worth of food, hoping that the person that was behind him is going to be like, I'll just pay it forward right? So he's trying to like finagle it so that he doesn't have to pay for the $600. And then the guy gets out of the car and like comes back. He's like, what are you doing? You know, right? It's a silly situation, but it happens in real life. Maybe you've had it happen to you. The system starts to, starts to go. The dominoes start to fall and people just start to pay for the person behind them. And you hear these stories in the news where it's like a hundred people, right? A hundred cars decided they were going to pay for the person behind them. And why does that happen? It's because one person decided that they were going to be kind to the person behind them. And we get that. Like when somebody shows up in our day, if we're having a, a crappy day and someone shows up and says, I'm going to be kind out of nowhere, it changes your day. And so out of this woman deciding that she was going to be kind to Elijah, even though she was at the end of her rope, Elijah then shows kindness to her and pleads for her son. 
And, and we don't know what would have happened, right? If she hadn't let Elijah in, would they just have died and the whole thing would have been done? I don't know. But one ki- act of kindness led to another act of kindness that produced two miracles in this situation. This woman is one of those people I wish we knew more about. Like, I wish we knew more about the son. Like, what kind of life do you lead after you're saved as a kid and, and Elijah was, you know, in that situation? I, I wish we knew, knew some more. But kindness always creates more kindness. And so it's not always free, but it's always possible and it always creates more kindness. I want to jump now to uh, a story in Mark chapter 10. And we're going to start in verses uh, 46 to 47. So this is, this is Jesus. We're jumping to the Gospels, obviously. And so Jesus is continuing around and sharing uh, with people in different areas. And he's just traveling throughout Israel um, and gathering a crowd as he goes. And so in verses 46 and 47 of Mark 10, this is what it says. Then they reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. And a blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Son of David, have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, Son of David, have mercy on me. So this is very interesting to me. This person, blind Bartimaeus, is something we just call him that because that's his name, and blind and Bartimaeus work together. So we just call him that, poor guy. So he, he hears, he has done his homework about Jesus, which is very interesting to me, right? He's, he's just waiting at the gate, which is normal for people to do, and he's hoping to beg for some money. And at some point along the way in his life, he heard this name, Jesus. He not only knows that his name is Jesus, but he calls him Son of David. So he knows the lineage. Like, he, he has gathered information and has been, I think, waiting for the day when Jesus walks by. And so when he gets, he hears a crowd of people, Jesus shows up, he hears people talking about Jesus, and he just starts yelling. And how do people respond? Shut up, dude. Like, we don't have time for you. Jesus doesn't have time for you. We got things to do. And so they tell him to be quiet, but this guy is brave, and he just starts yelling all the more. He's kind of the awkward guy, probably, at the party. He's just yelling too loud and going crazy. And so he starts yelling a little bit more. And so in verses 49 to 50, it says, When Jesus heard him, he stops and says, Tell him to come here. So they called the blind man and said, Cheer up. Come on. He's calling you. And Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. Verse 51. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. He says, My rabbi. Again, he did his homework. He knows he's a rabbi. The blind man said, I want to see. In verse 52, it says, And Jesus said to him, Go, for your faith has healed you. And instantly the man could see. Then he followed Jesus down the road. Again, somebody, we hear about Bartimaeus one time. We don't know what else happened, but he follows Jesus, right? And so Jesus, in this time, decides to stop. He could have kept going. He could have just said, I got other things to do. I got other people to see. I got a long schedule. I'm only here for a few more years, right? I got things I got to do. And he stops and just has a conversation. And I think it's really cool that he stops and looks at Bartimaeus and he asks him what he wants him to do. Now, we read this and you think, duh, Jesus, like he wants you to heal. Like Jesus knew this. But in stopping and having the conversation with him, he humanizes him and has a conversation with him. When he's been spending years just sitting at the gate begging for money because he's blind and no one wants to pay attention to him. 
And when other people are saying, he yells out. And other people are saying, nope, just be quiet. Leave us alone. Jesus doesn't have time for you. Jesus stops and says, I have time. I have time enough to have a conversation. I have time enough to heal you. And then Bartimaeus continues to follow him. And so we know this about kindness too. Here's the third thing. Kindness chooses to make someone's day better. Kindness chooses to make someone's day better. That's the choice we make when we're kind. Like I said, we can perpetuate frustration for ourselves. We can just continue to live out of that. But we can choose to change the narrative. We can say, I'm going to choose today to make your day better, even if it costs me something. Um, And here's the thing I think is true, okay? When when Elijah um, starts to have the conversation with the widow, he knows she's a widow, and he knows her situation a little bit, and then he learns more about her situation. And as we look at that situation, we would look at that woman and say, yes, she needs help. Like, maybe you and I, even if we saw that situation, we would say whatever we could give in that moment or however we could interact with her, like, we would want to step in and help. It's kind of obvious. And And blind Bartimaeus, like, he's blind. Like, what help does he need? It's kind of obvious. Like, yes, those are the people we we know that need help. And so sometimes it's easier for us to look at people that we can see and understand, okay, they have a need, so I'll be kind to them. They clearly have something difficult in their life, so I'll be kind to them because their life is difficult. And there's nothing wrong with that. But here's the thing that we don't, we don't understand or we don't think about. You never know who really needs you to be kind. There are people that can put on a really good front and not feel or not show what they're feeling and to not show that they're having a difficult time. And, and, and if we're honest, sometimes it's difficult to say, I need help, or I want someone to come alongside me, or I need someone to do something for me. It's hard to ask that sometimes, and we never know what the other person is going through. And when we just decide, even though we don't know what they're going through, but we're going to be kind, maybe you've had this happen where you were kind to somebody and they came and they said, you didn't know what I was going through, but I needed that. You didn't know what was happening at home, but you doing this for me changed everything. And it could be something super small. But sometimes what we decide to do is just say, it doesn't matter what that person's going through or what they're thinking about or what's going on. I'm just going to do what I need to do. But we never know who's really going to need us to be kind and what that could do for their day. So just a reminder before we get our truth, right? Kindness is optional based on my circumstances. The woman that Elijah talks to, her circumstances were awful. In fact, I think many of us are never going to find ourselves, I hope we never find ourselves in that same situation. And yet she decided to be kind anyway. Jesus' circumstances, he's a busy guy. He's got things to do. He's got places to go. He stops and he's kind. But here's the truth, okay? Kindness is a gift I can always afford to give. I'm someone, I love giving gifts, I love getting gifts. And one of the things that I do sometimes is, this is kind of silly that I probably do this, but I've thought about, like if I ever win the lottery, I don't play the lottery, if I ever win the lottery or I like, something great happens, I've thought about like who's, who I'm buying gifts for. Like I already have like a list in my brain of like who's getting what, and what. I'm like, yeah, okay, we'll pay off the mortgage, we'll pay off the car, we'll pay our student debt one day, right? So like that'll all happen, 
but then, like, who's getting what? Like, that's honestly where my brain goes. And I wish there are times when my kids ask for stuff or they need something and I want to go, like, if Owen needs cleats or they need something else, like, I want to go and buy the most expensive one. I want to. I don't. But, like, I would love to, right? I would love to just, like, show up and do that stuff. So I've, I've thought about this. And there are moments where we think we would love to give this, but we can't afford it. We, can't, we don't have the money. We don't have the time. We don't have the whatever. But here's the thing. Kindness is always an option, and we always can afford that. Even if it's going to cost us a little bit, even if it's going to make us a little inconvenient, it's going to give us a little inconvenience, even if it's going to cost us a little bit of time, we don't always have the opportunity to show up with physical things or, or money or influence that way, but we always have the opportunity to be kind to people. And so this is one of those things, right? If we have this soundtrack in our mind, Like, kindness is a gift I can always afford to give. I know, it sounds like something your grandmother would teach you, right? Like, kindness is something you always afford to give. Or like they would hand-stitch it on, or cross-stitch it on something. But I think it's true. We can always afford to give it. And if we're going through our day, and we're having a difficult day, or there's just things going on, we just kind of repeat this to ourselves. Kindness is a gift I can always afford to give. It's going to change the way that we interact with people. And here's the thing. We've already seen one example from Jesus, but I want us to get this. Jesus is the ultimate example of extending kindness. And in Titus chapter 3, starting in verse 3, the last passage we'll go to for today, it says this, Once we too were foolish and disobedient, we were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. Now, I get called sometimes to do references for people. So I recently had a friend He's going up for a lead pastor position. He put me down as a reference, so they called me, right? Think about if someone, if you called someone as a reference for any job, and this was the qualifications. How, how do you know this person? I know them really well. They're really foolish and disobedient. They, they've become slaves to many lusts and desires, and they are full of evil and envy, and they hate other people. Not a good track record. But there's a really important, ver- or important word there, but... It goes on in verses 4 and 5. It says, when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. Verses 6 and 7. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. In verse 8, this is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. And where did that start? If we just go back to verse 4, it says, when God our Savior revealed his what? Kindness and love. So out of kindness, Jesus sees us as these people, that we, we all know we've done wrong things, and we've all been that kind of person. We've been lustful, we've been angry, we've been envious, we've hated other people, we've all done these things, and yet Jesus, in his kindness, says, I'm going to come back and save you anyway. And so Jesus is that ultimate example of extending kindness to us, so it's our opportunity then to turn that around and extend it to other people. And if we qualify it with, well, this was my circumstances, it's going to influence my kindness, or that person doesn't deserve it, so I'm not going to give the kindness that I could give, we go back to this example and it gives us no room 
to say that we are above that person. We have to look at them and say, I'm going to see them with kindness. And then he wraps it up in verse 8. He says, this is trustworthy saying. He says, I want you to insist on these teachings. I want you to insist that we understand the kindness of God and that this is the way that he loves us. And so to wrap up our time, I want to get real practical on some of this stuff, on how we be kind to each other. Okay, there's three things I want to say. First of all, we have to be aware of our feelings. This is the hard part, okay? We get in the midst of feeling things and frustration and days going wrong and we're just, and sometimes it's, it's grief or it's, we, we were, uh, someone was mean to us. And so sometimes it's, it's warranted. Like we have these feelings and we have these moments where we get into spaces where we're just upset and we just want to push that another beat. Like if I, it's like uh, misery loves company, right? So if I'm going to be miserable, like you're going to be miserable. And we just kind of, we get stuck there. And when we're not aware of our feelings, that's going to overflow onto other people. But when we're aware of what's going on inside of us and we can kind of self-check and go, what am I feeling? And how is this coming out? Then we're aware of what's going on in the other person's life. And we're aware of how we're going to interact with them. I was reading a book uh, this week, and I, and I saw a really good example of this. And it was about a couple who, they had very uh, demanding jobs. They both did. They worked outside the home. They did not have any kids, but they just had jobs that were very demanding, very tiring, long days. And so what they would do is they would come home in the evenings, and they'd get home, and they would kind of do a check-in with one another, and they would say, where are you at energy-wise? And so sometimes one would go, I'm, I had a really good day. I'm at about a 70%. I'm doing good. And so the other person would go, I'm at about a 20. So struggle, right? So then the person that's at 80 is like, you know what? I got you. Sit down, take a break. I'll, do, I'll cook dinner, and then we can reconnect, right? So they just kind of evaluate. And they said sometimes one person gets home, and they go, I'm at 20. And the other person goes, I'm at like a 7. Now listen, married couples, we know when we get home, and that's how we feel after a long day, how does the rest of that evening go if we're not intentional about it? frustration comes up, we get angry at each other, you, that any, everything can turn into an argument, right? It, you just get to that place. And, and if you don't understand where we're at, then we're going to maybe take this out on each other. And they said, in that moment, when we are both depleted, we sit down and we just make a plan for the night and we say, how can we love each other even though we are both in this space where we're exhausted? And how does that work? They're aware of their feelings and they are kind to each other by saying, I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to listen to you. And when we're aware and we're clear about things, we can be aware of our feelings and understand how we might not be kind as we respond to our own feelings. Here's the second thing. Don't see people as problems. I wish everybody had to work in customer service at some point in their life. Because when you're on the other side of that customer service desk, and I've been there, other side of it, they want to return something. Okay, really quick story. One time I was working at Best Buy. I did not take this person, but they brought back a box, and we had a very open return policy, and there were rocks in the box. And they wanted to return it. And we were like, no. And we were actually kind of like outside. That person was mad. We're like, it's rocks. It's not the, probably like a DVD player or something like that. We're like, whatever. When you are on the other side of that customer service desk and that person decides they need something from you and you are the one in, in between them and getting what they want, you are then seen as a problem and not a person. And so we can do that. We can turn on somebody because they frustrated us or they're not giving us what we need or they're not being helpful in that moment and even they're being unkind. So we just we're going to be unkind, all that stuff. 
when we stop and we don't see them as a problem, we see them as a person, kindness changes. And we can realize that that's not just something I need to fix, someone I need to fix, or someone I need to get around, or someone I need to get rid of. It's someone that has feelings and emotions and a family and a day, and we don't know what they went through. And so when we see people as problems, we will not be kind. But when we see them as people, we will. Here's the third thing. Look for moments to be kind. Like, this is hard, and we're not really taught to do this, but like, let's have a conversation about it. What if we just actually prayed, God, give me opportunity to be kind to people, and then just see what happens? But then we got to walk through that door, right? So if you're, if you're praying this, and you get into a situation that's frustrating or annoying, or you've had a bad day, you pray this, and then all of a sudden things go wrong, and then people show up, and they're just pushing your buttons, what does it look like to actually look for moments to be kind? And say, I'm actually going to intentionally go out of my way to show up and be kind for people. This is what Christians should be doing, what followers of Jesus should be doing. If we understand the kindness we talked about in Titus, then we turn it around and we say, I'm going to be kind. But when's the last time that we heard a survey done and people were like, the first thing I think of when I think of Christian is kind? It doesn't happen probably because we don't ask these questions enough. And we don't say, what would it look like for me to actually ask God to give me the opportunities to be kind and then for me to step through that door and actually do it even when it's inconvenient to me. So here's the last thing I want to say. Kindness isn't an accident. Kindness is an attitude. If we leave it up to like, ah, we'll see if I'm kind when we get there, right? How's that turn out? Depends on the day. Depends on the circumstances. It's an option, depending on my circumstances. Or we say, I'm going to intentionally be kind, not leave it up to an accident. I'm going to see the other person. I'm going to care about that. Even if it's costing me something, it's something I can afford to give to be kind to other people. And this is something we don't, I don't know, like we think about it, but we kind of just go, at least maybe I do this, Based on the day, I, I have the capacity to be kind or not. But really, we always have that capacity. And so I would challenge you. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's something that's going on right now. You've got an interaction that's just like unkind. Someone's being unkind to you. What would it look like for you to be kind to that person? What does it look like tomorrow, Monday, everybody's favorite day, right? When we get to work and we dive into whatever. And what does it look like to say, I'm going to be kind? What does it look like to say that we're actually going to ask God to give us opportunities to be kind so that we can show his love to other people? Even to people that take a lot of work and take a lot of time. What does that mean? And I would hope and pray that we would be people, just as followers of Jesus, but people as part of GFC, that we would be kind of people that when they think about us, they would go, yeah, that person is, that person is kind. So don't leave kindness to be an accident, but let's make it an attitude. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for the, what Titus tells us um, about who you are and the kindness you've shown to us. And God, it's, it's one of the, it's easy to be kind, but it's also one of the most difficult things to be kind. 
And it's hard when those circumstances come and we've had a bad day and it's been frustrating, it's been annoying, it's been whatever, and then somebody shows up and we just don't feel like it. But I pray that you would give us opportunities to be kind and we would look for those moments and you would help us, like just ping us in our spirit when we have the temptation to kind of unload or, or just allow our emotions to take over in our interactions with people that we might see them when we're tempted to see them as problems, that we would see them as people and that you would just kind of take over in that moment and we would love them, that we would be kind to them. We would challenge ourselves in that. God, ultimately, I pray that as followers of Jesus, we would seek to be kind to people that we come in contact with. And at least as far as it depends on us, when they think about us and, and who we are as followers of Jesus, that we would, the kindness would come to mind that we would care for other people, we would show up in their needs, we would ultimately point them to you. In Jesus' name, amen.